it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I'd pay for vacations with whatever was in my wallet, but I was missing out on miles I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. You're tuned in to the Investing for Beginners podcast. Finally, step-by-step premium investment guidance for beginners. Led by... Andrew Sather and Dave Ahern to decode industry jargon, silence crippling confusion, and help you overcome emotions by looking at the numbers. Your path to financial freedom starts now. All right, folks, welcome to Investing for Beginners podcast. This is episode 137. Tonight, Andrew and I are going to go back to the mailbox, and we're going to answer a listener question. We got a great one the other day, and Andrew and I thought we would take a few moments. Well, who are we kidding? It's going to be a little longer than a few minutes, and we're going to go ahead and answer the question on air for the person. So I'm going to go ahead and read the question, and then I'll have my friend Andrew uh, take the first stab at answering it. So we're going to go with, hi, Andrew. I have a question for you. If I invest in a company for its dividends and the stock makes a run and I feel that it has reached or surpassed what I have figured out what its intrinsic value is, what do I do now? What if the stock starts to decline? Do you sell and wait for a new buy point or do you hold on even if it declines 10, 20 or 30% because you really like this company? It seems like a dual-edged sword. You like it so you want to hold on to it, but you don't want to give up all that equity that you've made because of the dividends you could be getting. I need help working through my emotions on this. Regards, Tom. All right, Andrew, what are your thoughts on Tom's question? I like I like the question a lot. I think it's a good timing just based on where I'm at right now in my investing stages, what I've been dabbling in with Wall Street and trading. And I think I've said this before, probably countless times, but everybody likes to talk about buying stocks, what stocks are we going to buy, um, which ones do we think are going to do so great in 5, 10 years. Nobody wants to talk about the end game. Nobody wants to talk about when you sell. And it's because it's, it's generally really, really painful. I think you'll find, and I, I think it's unhealthy to do, but uh, who are we kidding? We'll probably all do it. But at some point, you know, you're going to sell a stock and you know, you just check it every so often and see how it's done since you've sold. And I've definitely had my stocks where I've sold them and they've continued to rise. And I think, you know, when you look at a situation like that, you just have to have maybe a better mindset. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping with every time we discuss this topic, uh, when it comes to selling and 
Um, you know, it's it's something that changes over time, but I'm I'm hoping as we discuss this topic that this is something we can help Tom with his emotions through and maybe some other people out there who are struggling with um whether they are looking at a stock right now that they're thinking of selling or they just don't have a set strategy for the end game. And so kind of addressing those two things uh are going to be really really helpful. I've talked in the past about how I like to split my portfolio into two sections. So I have my regular positions and my dividend fortress positions. And so you have two different objectives with those. And that's going to kind of, I don't want to say it, it crafts your decision making 100% because the stock market's never black and white. But I think it helps really influence and, and tilt your decision making. I think it gives you peace of mind because I don't know about you, Dave, but like when it comes to me, when I talk about the selling discussion, I think the most important part is once you've made a sell decision, mentally, you kind of just need to clear the hard drive. Like it's done. You've sold the stock. So it could continue to. So let me give an example. Like, Let's say you had Apple, right? And you were able to ride it from 100 to 300. And then let's say you sold at 350 and then it shot up to 450. I know based on personal experience that selling a stock and seeing it rise another 5, 10, 15% is really painful just because you, you feel like, oh, I could have held on. But then it's funny. I think at least most good value investors i think have a better grasp on this than maybe the average investor but if we were to look at a stock like tesla where i don't know if you've been checking in on the insanity that's been going on with that stock lately but every single time they go up 10 percent, they're like well why don't we go up 10 percent more <laughs> yeah i i look at a stock like that and i don't i don't get upset that i'm missing out on the party right because I just see it as another stock that's irrationally overvalued and it continues to go in that trend but I don't I don't feel that same pain as selling uh as the example with selling where you had a stock before and now you don't have it and now it's succeeding but really if we if we think about the logistics of it it's really no different does that make sense I mean have you experienced something like that um, with your own portfolio, whether seeing a stock go up or down after you sold it? Oh, yes, I have for sure. And it's it's very painful and it, it makes you second guess your decision and why you're doing what you're doing. And you you have that, you know, FOMO thing going on, you, f- you know, the fear of missing out and it, it can be a very powerful and strong emotion. And it's very, very difficult to control and to think about why you made the decision you did. And, you know, of course you're going to have those feelings of regret and remorse and, you know, why did I do this and all those kinds of things. And those are all natural and you should never beat yourself up about doing those things. You need to think about why it is that you did what you did. So when you have those feelings, Andrew, what, what, how do you kind of try to counteract those feelings so i'm obviously haven't mastered i don't think it's something you can ever master completely no i think (laughs) i think you just you you just have to find ways to 
to just think differently about it. And I don't know that it sounds kind of abstract, but I really, I really think that it, it is a mindset thing. And so maybe thinking of it, like I kind of presented with the Apple versus Tesla example, if you think of it that way, try to think of, well, you've separated from the stock and now it's no different than any other stock that's not in your portfolio. And, and now you're focusing more on, you know, what stocks do I have now and what, Am I looking to buy in the future? I think another way to really think about it, this is what helps me, I guess, because I'm a type of person who really likes to feel like I have a system, know I have a system, and know that there's sound logic behind a system. Um, and I've, I don't know, I've always been like, I've always had a gambler's side to me. I love the game of poker it's something that's always been fascinating to me i love the world series of poker when i was in high school that was a lot more popular than it was now and i love the way that different players and different types of whether it's a casino game or i don't know what other games do you you know there's lots of things you can bet on whether it's a horse race whether it's a a sporting event um there's all these different systems you can use to not necessarily guarantee that you're going to win every time because anything based on chance, um, there's never going to be a guarantee about it. And that's kind of what makes it so fun. But you almost want to tilt your odds in the favor, go back to the mathematics and try to make the numbers at least where if you play enough, um, you have enough of a probability where you're gonna come out on top, and so I think I don't know if you if you saw this. I correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was Howard Marks' last memo. He really talked on this about uh, the role of chance and uh, games of chance and how that's really affected him as an investor. So for people who aren't familiar with Howard Marks, he's a huge name in the asset management space. He's written several very, very good books about basically buying stocks low and selling high. Um, So he is a value investor and he has these memos, which I know Dave loves reading as well. Yeah, I do. Yeah, they're awesome. And yeah, you're right. He did talk about gambling in his last, his last letter. It was, it was pretty cool. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to Nerd Wallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before Nerd Wallet, I'd pay for vacations with whatever was in my wallet, but I was missing out on miles I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Let's be honest here. Your sex life is important. It helps us feel more confident and boosts our happiness. But sometimes we struggle to perform, our life gets in the way. This is where hymns can help. 
With our convenient and discreet online platform, you can get help for your erectile dysfunction from the comfort and privacy of your own home. No more waiting rooms, no more awkward conversations, just a simple, direct path to treatment that works around your life, not interrupts it. Invest in your health today. Hims is changing men's health care by providing access to affordable sexual health treatments from the comfort of your couch. Hims provides access to doctor-trusted ED treatment options such as chewable hard mints, brand-name treatments like Viagra, or generic alternatives for up to 95% cheaper. The process is simple and 100% online, no uncomfortable doctor visits. Answer a series of questions on their site, and a medical provider will determine the right treatment option. If prescribed, your medication ships to you free, no insurance is needed. If ED is getting you down, it's time you join the hundreds of thousands of trusted HIMSS subscribers and get treated. Start your free online visit today at HIMSS.com slash investing. That's H-I-M-S dot com slash investing for your personalized ED treatment options. HIMSS.com slash investing. Hard mints are chewable compounded products which are not approved by or verified for safety and effectiveness by the FDA. Prescriptions require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if appropriate. Restrictions apply. See website for details and important safety information. Subscription required. Price varies based on product and subscription plan. Budgeting was always a challenge for me. I struggled to find the best way to keep track of all of my money. Not to mention all the time tracking down receipts, cataloging expenses, and trying to figure out what went wrong with my air quote system until Monarch Money. Monarch Money allowed me to easily see what is going on with my finances, helping me get a better handle on my spending, budgets, and more. It's my go-to app every day, more so than my bank, because I can quickly see where I am with my budgets and spending, allowing me to invest more and spend time on the things that I want to do. It's my GPS for money. Monarch is a top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all of your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com beginners. Unlike other personal finance apps, Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to set up, customize, and use. Monarch has built-in features to collaborate with your partner, family, or financial advisor. Invite them to your account at no extra cost, and they'll get their own login info and a joint view of all of your finances. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. Change the layout of your dashboard, toggle between light and dark mode, create custom budgets and notifications, set up automatic rules for transactions and notifications, and more. In fact, Monarch Money is one of the first to bring you direct Apple Card, Apple Cash, and savings syncing with the latest iOS 17.4 update. Now you can sync your wallet directly for seamless budgeting. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's a top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash beginners. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash beginners for your extended 30-day free trial. Yeah, so the you know having like a system like that, whether it works or not, I think it can help you manage the type of emotions that come with checking up on whether you made the right move or not. When you know you have a system, you know that the system's not going to be right 100% of the time. Um, When you have a system, you know you're not going to win every single time. Like why I love poker, and I, I think Howard Marks also talked about this in the memo. Why I love poker is because... um you could play the game right and still lose or you could play the game wrong and still win. And, and you know, there's no right or wrong 
per se, but there is, well, you played this hand that had almost no chance of winning and then you got lucky when the card flipped over and that's why you won. And then conversely on the other side, as you become more experienced with, with uh, a game like that, you start to understand, well, you know, yeah, I lost that hand, but that doesn't mean I'm a bad gambler or it doesn't mean, you know, I'm bad at this game. This is just part of the game. And so I think if we can frame our investment choices kind of like that, either on the buy or the sell, then it can help a lot with the emotions that come with it. Not to say that they're ever going to go away, but this can be um, a great first step in managing those is understanding, again, with the mindset that, all right, well, I'm going to make great decisions and some of them aren't going to work out and I'm going to be okay with it because as long as I have a system that I know that I have a really good feeling and based on you know work, research, knowledge I've picked up, I know that the system over time will do well, then I'm going to be okay. And whether this is the right choice or not, whether it's going to work out or not, I'm going to be better off and I'm going to be able to move on from this decision. I think that can go a very, very long way in, in sorting out kind of all the rest of it. Hey you, what's the best way to get started in the market? Download Andrew's free ebook at stockmarketpdf.com. You won't regret it. I totally agree with that. And I, I like the idea of a system. And that is something that through the years of Andrew and I working together that I've started to kind of create much more of a system than I had previously. And one of the things that I have found that helps me with some of these decisions is creating a journal of my decisions on buying or selling a stock, in particular buying. Because when I go back and start to second guess my decision or wonder if it's time to sell or not, by looking at the reason why I bought the stock in the first place helps me put it in place. And it's it's not just about the numbers and looking at the valuation and where it is with all the different ins and outs of the metrics and the different sheets, you know, whether it's the balance sheet or whether it's the cash flow statement or, and so on. It's It's not just about that. It's also about why I think the company is, you know, the story, why I think the company is going to continue to do well. And if I see that those things are changing, then it gives me a reference point to help me make a more informed decision, but it also helps me emotionally decide that this is time to change it. And it isn't necessarily some analogies that kind of come to mind when I think about some of these things. It's football season. The Super Bowl is right around the corner. So I think a lot about sometimes cornerbacks. When cornerbacks are out there and they're playing, they're kind of out on an island, right? And when that wide receiver blows by them and they, you know, quarterback makes a perfect pass and they score a touchdown on them, it's embarrassing. And they, they got shown up on national television. But to do their job, they have to forget about what happened on that play and go out in the next play because that could be the play that they make an interception and return it for a touchdown and win the game. So they have to have the mindset of, 
that's one play. It's in the past. It's over. It's done and move on and not worry about it and not think about it. Try to learn from your mistake, but not try to dwell on it and in such a way that it causes you to affect your performance going forward. And I think the same thing has to apply when you're trying to decide emotionally to make a decision to sell a company. And when you make that decision, you know, make the decision and have the conviction of why it is you're doing it and try to, you know, eliminate any of those negative feelings that can prevent you from making another decision and buying another company or, you know, like he's talking about buying back in when it goes down a little bit. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, but so having that mindset, I guess in another, another way is thinking about when you break up with a significant other and you go and delete all their pictures, you, you know, you take them off Facebook, you delete their phone number, all these things. So you can't go back and look at it. And I have to think about that too. Sometimes with a stock, I, I just kind of eliminate it from my periphery. So it's not something that I, you know, I have to, I have to work at it to look it up and to go back and see what happened with it. And for me, mentally, that's just one of the things that I can compartmentalize in a way that I can put this in a box and I can set it aside and I'm not going to think about it anymore. Because if I do, then it's going to, you know, cause all kinds of problems. I'm going to sit in a corner and cry and (laughs) be super depressed because, you know, why did I give that up? Why? But, um, you know, there's, you know, we all make decisions and we all do things. And, you know, like Andrew was saying, it's, we're on, we're never going to make a hundred percent perfect decisions. And, if we look at the people that we look up to and admire and aspire to be like, uh, like Warren Buffett, for example, you know, Lord knows he's made mistakes. He's, he's made boo-boos too. And I'm sure he has regrets. He talks all the time about regretting not investing in Google or Amazon at the beginning. And he, he admits that he missed those and it's okay. You know, it's, it's part of the, it's part of the game. You know, like Andrew was talking about gambling. It's, it's part of the game. And you're going to miss sometimes, and that's okay. And the trick is is to try to learn from the miss, whether it's a good or bad, and try to you know take those learnings and use those to try to get better at what you're trying to do. And I, I think that's really the biggest part. And investing is is probably more emotional than we think about because it's. We're, it's tied up in money and it's not just numbers. It's we're we're putting our hard earned money. We all work for a living and we put that in the stock market and we don't want to see that go away. And so like Tom is talking about, the company goes up and up and up and it's great. You're getting all this equity and all of a sudden something happens and it starts turning and you feel torn because you've invested your effort and time and money into this company and all of a sudden it's not going the way you thought it was and hey the stock market is not as easy as i thought it was going to be and i'm going to have to make a hard decision but i think once you do make that decision then you need to stand by it and you know move on from that and try to like i try to do is you know put it in a box compartmentalize it and set it aside and not think about it i know that's easier said than done sometimes but there are we all have different tricks and ways of trying to move on from things that have happened to us in the past whether they're good or bad and trying to use those ways to help you feel better but the trick is is to try to not beat yourself up 
It's also try not to dwell on things that you feel like you've made a boo-boo on and try to remember why you're doing what you're doing. And if you can keep those in the front of your mind, then when you do make a, 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 a buy or sell decision, it'll help you in the long run remember why it is you did what you did. Yeah, that's very well said. I think a good parameter for if you're managing your emotions after a sell is if you can see a stock that you sold and it's doing really well and you can just say, oh, well, good for them. You know, and I think knowing that and knowing that, hey, just because um, I'm not necessarily optimizing 100%, oh, you know, I'm not a robot who's perfect, um, but, you know, I'm still doing well with my portfolio is still doing great. Um just because somebody else is succeeding doesn't mean you're necessarily failing. So try to kind of flip that on its head and, and get, get what would be a negative emotion working for you positively. Um, I did like the point that Tom made in the question where he said, you know, say I bought this stock, I wanted the dividends and then I bought it at a discount to its intrinsic value. Now it's reached or surpassed that. So he's wondering, you know, now it's kind of turning a corner and, and maybe it hit intrinsic value and now it's starting to decline again. He says, do you sell and wait for a new buy point or do you hold on because you really like the company? I think, you know, and I could go on and on and on and I'm, you can go back in the archives and, and listen to the different episodes we've done about when to sell, what to sell, you know, sell rules. We really go in, in, in deep uh, on some of those. But to, to answer this particular part, I think if you start to talk about selling a stock high and then buying it back low, you're starting to move into the whole market timing game. And I think as a value investor, I think it's reasonable to think that you can buy low and sell high. I don't think it's reasonable to think that you can sell high and then buy low and then sell high and then buy low. Like it's that's a whole nother animal on its own because what tends to happen, and you'll see this if you look at any stock that's been very successful over the past three, five, seven, ten years. Once they take off, <laughs> sometimes it's just no going back. And so you could most definitely sell where you think the intrinsic value is and see it continue to just succeed and continue. Because think about the reason why these stocks go up. And we try to talk about how compounding interest really builds your wealth by taking dividends and, and you reinvest them. And now your nest egg is expanding and the bigger it gets, the more it adds on itself, right? Well, these companies are doing the exact same thing with their cash flows. And so as they become bigger and bigger and bigger, if there's in a market that's still growing, all that success is just going to drive more success. And so by kind of trying to sell high because you think valuations are getting high and then wait for a chance for it to dip so you buy low again, either you're going to be waiting a very long time or you're just going to drive yourself nuts with, oh man, well, I missed 2% because um, you know I sold too soon or I bought too late or whatever the case may be. It's just, it's, it's a great way to just drive yourself insane. 
So if you're talking specifically about, I have a stock that I really like, he said it himself, I really like it. I, I want its dividends, which is, again, uh, those are two very good reasons to hold on. Then, you know, regardless of what the stock price does, as long as those two parts are still in there, I see no reason to to get rid of the stock just because you're trying to over-optimize. That's not when we're talking about investing for the long term, investing, like Dave said, your hard-earned money, which is a very emotional and a very important process and a very crucial part of your life. You need to understand what activities are going to be beneficial to that and which ones are going to be detrimental to the final result. And so, yeah, you might be able to kind of jump in and out and feel really smart for a time. But I mean, imagine doing that to like an Apple when it was at $30, you know, and just waiting for it to dip and it never dips. That could be something that is just the amount of magnitude of difference that that eventually has could be so great. So try not to do that. When I buy a stock, I have, again, I've talked about a system. I've talked about, I think I have, I think one of the episodes is like three strikes you're out. I think we might have an episode called literally when to sell that might be an episode we've had or a blog post. I cannot remember, but Basically, what I look for is if the company starts to do something that I do not like, then I have I have boundaries like these are hard and fast rules. You do this, I'm out. And then I also have um, the company is behaving in this way and it's starting to turn in a direction where I don't like it. And so I'm seriously considering either cutting it or watching it tightly and then maybe cutting it later. So I've definitely done that. And so it's going to come down to things like debt on the balance sheet. It's going to come down to if they're not able to turn a profit anymore, that's a big problem. If they're not going to pay me the dividends anymore, and that's the whole reason I bought it, right? So those are the type of things that I really think should go into a system like that. And then for the rest of it, if it really comes down to I'm trying to jump in and out, I don't think that's a good way to go. I would agree with that. You do not want to jump in and out. That it will, I think, as Andrew put it so succinctly, that will drive you nuts. <laughs> um, and you know there are there are certain companies like Apple uh, that you know if you missed out on it when it was really low, it's not coming back down. Uh, not unless you know something drastic happens and everybody uh, like some new. F- phone comes out and now everybody moves to that from you know the apple uh or the samsung you know andrew and i were talking about that off air about you know how we seem to know everybody that's you know kind of owns you know your kind of phone like my circle of people i know most people are apple people and so you know unless something drastic happens to the company it's probably you know not going to go down and if it is going down there's a reason for it going down uh things don't always fall out of favor that drastically unless there's something fundamentally wrong 
with the company. And I, I mean, I, th- I think about Disney. God, I'd love to own Disney, but uh, it's expensive now. And will it ever come back down? Probably not. Uh, at least not in any time in the near future with the success that they've had with, you know, the movies, for example, that, you know, even in the last year, they've had five movies that have hit all time highs. Uh, so, you know, that is a company that is probably going to be out of my reach for a very long time. So I just have to move on and try to find something else. So, uh, I definitely agree with Andrew. You should have some hard and fast rules, uh, to consider when to sell the company. And I think going back to what I said a moment ago, fundamentally, if there's something wrong, if the earnings are negative, have turned negative for a reason, if their cash flow has changed, if the the, the business has changed, uh, you think about GameStop as a company that I've talked about uh, as a company that I made a mistake on. And it's, uh, you know, their, their business model changed and they're trying to change it, but it's been an uphill battle and who knows whether they're going to be able to get get where they want to go don't know or not but again if you own the company 10 years ago it's changed since that point because of you know a myriad of reasons but that is why the company is not doing as well as it did and so it may have been a great company 10 years ago but right now it's it's not and that's why the stock market is beaten it up and it continues to struggle and struggle and who knows whether they're going to make it or not but again there's it changed because there was something fundamentally wrong. If the company that Tom is talking about that he really likes is declining 10, 20, 30%, I guess the question I would ask is, is there a reason why it's dropping that much? Is it, mm. you know, has the business model changed? Is it a commodity? Is there, you know, something else that's really going on that's causing it to, to do that? And if it is, then, then it, it does make your decision easier because if things are fundamentally changing with the business, for whatever reason, then it makes it easier for you to decide whether you want to keep it or not. Yeah, that was like mic drop material. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's, that's really good, yeah. I, I have okay. nothing else to add, but those are the thoughts I think that should go through somebody's head when they're considering it. And then maybe some thoughts that we talked about at the top about how to approach it. So moving forward, you're in the right mindset making the right decisions and really just, you know, like Dave said, being okay with, with the decisions you make and moving on. All right, folks. Well, that is going to wrap up our discussion for this evening. I hope that that helped answer your question, Tom. And if you have any other further questions, please let us know. We're here to help. And if anybody else has any other questions out there, please let us know because we'd love to talk to them on air about them and see if we could do some things to help you guys. So if you guys are enjoying the podcast, and you have not subscribed, please take a moment to subscribe. And if you really like it and would love to give us a five-star review so we could go up in the rankings so we could help more people, more higher we are in the rankings, more people can find us. So what, uh, we would really appreciate that. So without any further ado, I'm going to go ahead and sign us off. You guys go out there and invest with a margin of safety, emphasis on the safety. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you all next week. We hope you enjoyed this content. Seven Steps to Understanding the Stock Market shows you precisely how to break down the numbers in an engaging and readable way with real-life examples. Get access today at stockmarketpdf.com. Until next time, have a prosperous day.
The information contained is for general information and educational purposes only. It is not intended for a substitute for legal, commercial, and or financial advice from a licensed professional. Review our full disclaimer at einvestingforbeginners.com. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.